Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's Talking Africa program. Talking Africa provides in-depth interviews with experts and other actors in the field of peace and security in Africa. Hello, I'm Desmond Davis. My guest today is Susan Muruyungi, the Africa Regional Director for Protection International based in Nairobi. Susan is an alumna of the African Leadership Center at King's College London, where she was awarded an MA in Conflict, Security and Development in 2012. Uh, Susan, could you please tell us a bit more about Protection International? It doesn't seem to be well known uh, internationally. All right. Thanks, Desmond. Uh, Protection International is an organization based in Brussels and um, has been working for well over 10 years now. Uh, it, uh, we, we have offices across the globe in Southeast Asia, in Latin America, and in Africa. We previously all worked under the Brussels office um, as, can, as uh, protection desks. In Africa, we had offices in Kenya and DRC. But under a new strategy uh, be- that began in 2019, uh, there was a decision to des- decentralize services and form regional hubs. One of the hubs that was formed was the Africa Hub, which is based here in Nairobi, and which is the hub that I'm leading. The work of Protection International is um, to work with human rights defenders and build their capacities to be able to manage their security. And the approach we take is preventive. So we do assessments of HRD situations to be able to determine the level of risk they are exposed to. And thereafter, we have sessions with them to build their capacity to be able to recognize uh, physical threats and digital threats and to be able to manage uh, that secu- security physically and digitally. And we also have a component of psychosocial support. Uh, thereafter, we do follow-ups to help them design um, security plans, personal and uh, also uh, group security plans for their different situations. And in addition to this, we have also been um, uh, extending emergency support. So when a HRD is facing a threat uh, or is in a situation uh, where they are um, in danger, then we are able to provide uh, emergency support in various ways, uh, whether it's cash or whether it's uh, relocating them uh, or providing legal support, uh, psychosocial uh, support as well. So we, we do a needs assessment for the HRD in that particular situation. And together with them, we work to find a solution for them. And uh, we provide the solution that we are able to provide um, with the funds we have available. But other than this, we have also been trying to grow uh, our work in advocacy. Uh, so that, that is an area of work that is growing. We do work in partnership with organizations, civil society organizations, NGO, international NGOs, uh, and donor organizations that are interested in supporting HRDs to remain safer. Uh, we have done a lot of research uh, that can be found on our website on HRD situations and um, making recommendations on how they can protect themselves better. I think this is largely uh, what we do. I mean, I can respond to any other questions in case I might have left something out. Yeah. Give me examples of who 
you term human rights defenders? Who are they? The term human rights defenders is uh, contested. Uh, it has not been clearly defined even yeah. by the UN. Um, it's broad and can include anybody that is uh, advancing uh, human rights on on behalf of an individual or a group of people. So it doesn't really matter whether you've done this once or you do this as an occupation in life or you do this uh, aside from your main occupation in life. And Protection International respects this. Um, of course, in some circumstances, you have to look at um, how you qualify this term based on the circumstances of an individual or a, a group. Uh, yes, uh, but when you talk about human rights, I mean, it's, it's general, isn't it? I mean, you defend human rights not just from uh, actions by government, but also individuals in society generally. So when you talk about human rights defenders, it's not as if they're always contesting against governments. There are other issues that have to do with human rights which governments are not involved in. Yes, absolutely. Uh, perpetrators against human rights defenders are not just the government, although the government is, uh, tends to be a ma- ma- major perpetrator, uh, but there are other perpetrators, um, mm-hmm. and this includes, uh, private investors. Uh, this, this, this is the most likely next big category of uh, mm-hmm. perpetrators that, um, uh, HRDs have to, you know, um, find themselves fighting with. And this is particularly because of uh, development projects uh, uh, in in areas that are considered um, uh, useful to the communities. Sometimes the community itself might also be perpetrators uh, because you find that HRDs are not well understood uh, in terms of their work. And in Mm. most communities, you know, they, they are seen as, you versus us or you, um, their work is not seen as if it's part of the community, even though HRDs are working for the benefit of their communities most of the time. But unfortunately, the communities sometimes tend to be uh, perpetrators as well. And now when you go down to very specific situations, it is possible to identify even more perpetrators. And when we are doing the needs assessment, these are some of the exercises we do. We try to assess who could be uh, perpetrators for specific HRDs based on the work they are doing and maybe the people they might wrap off the wrong way. So it's possible to define a broad range of perpetrators based on the different circumstances of the HRDs. Yes, in fact, the one that comes to mind actually is the, uh, the, the mining industry. The mining is- industry in Africa is just full of people who, who take advantage of uh, communities, but they're powerful, they've got money. How will you be able to uh, deal with, with, with them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this falls in the category, I said, of, of private investors because they are of many forms other than the extractives. There are also different other cases. Sometimes you find that maybe a school is being grabbed, a community land is being grabbed somewhere mm-hmm. uh, for, for the purpose of maybe building a, a hotel or a private hospital or any other such uh, development project that is uh, said to benefit indiv- an individual or individuals as compared to um, considering what the community needs. 
um, and also most of the times does not have uh, the public uh, involved in the decision that has been made. Um, so, so yes, uh, um, this 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 is a very uh, potent uh, perpetrator, and uh, in most cases you find that this uh, involve individuals and groups of people that are very well connected and um, very well resourced. So it's very difficult for HRDs to fight with them. But we've had cases where, I mean, HRDs have contested with them. Uh, an example is in our projects in, 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 in Southeast Asia and also Latin uh, America. But also here in Kenya, as an example, in, in, in Lamu, where we've had uh, HRDs contesting uh, the building of the Lamu port. Uh, so sometimes it's successful, other times it's not successful, but we do support the HRDs to continue doing uh, what they need to do to protect the environment. So mostly it is environmental human rights defenders and uh, our work um, uh, advances the right to protect human rights. So we don't directly engage the um, perpetrators themselves, but we do support the HRDs to be able to engage with the perpetrators in different situations. Yeah, so I mean, what is the current state of human rights in Africa, generally speaking? I, I don't think anything has changed much in the recent years. We know most African countries um, are working with... Um, uh, presidents uh, that have dictatorial tendencies and as a result um, uh, people's freedoms and rights tend to be suppressed. Um, of course uh, this means that there are dissenting voices uh, in many of the African countries and these dissenting voices um, tend to also be suppressed uh, because of course um, most states, most governments don't want disruption of um, or some of the interests that they are trying to push for. So without going into, I mean, specific countries or specific uh, human rights violations, um, of course, um, we know that across Africa, but uh, currently also across the globe and also in light of the COVID pandemic, we are seeing uh, freedoms and rights being suppressed in the name of uh, um, uh, uh, carrying out COVID protocols. And as a result, also human rights defenders themselves have become, are, are become even more violated um, uh, when regimes try to institute, um, you know, curfews and other COVID-related control measures, uh, they end up infringing on the rights of individuals and also the rights of human rights defenders to uh, defend rights. Uh, so, so, so um, over, 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 over the years, uh, there has been little improvement, or I would say in a country like Kenya, for example, uh, there might seem to have been improvements during uh, the regime of... Um, our third president, uh, but over the last nine years or so, again, we have seen a suppression uh, of rights, uh, particularly um, when it comes to interest in uh, what you just mentioned just now, extractive industries and uh, yes. private investors uh, wanting to 
um, you know, bring up development projects in places where uh, communities uh, have not yet have not been uh, approached for their um, contribution or their participation. Uh, but also uh, during other situations, it's interesting actually that we are having this discussion today because um, being 7th of July is a day of interest for human rights and for human rights defenders in Kenya. It represents uh, a day in the memory of uh, um, uh, human rights works in Kenya when uh, during the fight for multi-party democracy in Kenya, a lot of human rights defenders uh, were violated and uh, on this day uh, every year the human rights um, uh, networks in Kenya commemorate the event of that day and remind themselves of the need to continue fighting for the rights of individuals um, and also to, to, to also make sure that the welfare of human rights defenders is always protected. Uh, so, I mean, the situation is no better than it was um, many years back. Maybe a lot more people are now informed about their rights and a lot more people are um, uh, playing the role of human rights defenders, but the struggle continues in, in different countries. Uh, we can see what is happening in Eswatini at the moment, uh, in Tigray, uh, recently in, in, in Sudan, in uh, South Sudan. So, I mean, the situation cuts across. Uh, there, there really isn't much of an improvement. And some of the issues that we continue to explore also as an organization working with human rights defenders is the issue of um, uh, protection mechanisms uh, mm -hmm. in different African countries. So in West Africa, for example, we've had a number of countries uh, develop or protection laws for human rights defenders, there is still a problem in terms of their implementations or in terms of their total respect, but at least we acknowledge that as a step. And we continue to work with other countries. Some countries prefer, uh, or rather some uh, members of civil society in other countries prefer not to have any laws in particular, but work within the laws that exist that can protect defenders. So we also support that to be able to uh, ensure that uh, there is some form of mechanism uh, in terms of protection of human rights defenders. That's the point, because you see, when African governments at times clamp down on uh, human rights organizations in Africa, they tend to say that uh, these African organizations are just following a Western uh, agenda and which are not compatible with certain African cultural practices. So, I mean, how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, rights are for everybody. So um, as much as the, um, sometimes there might be the argument that um, um, African state or African uh, leaders are, are following a Western trajectory, uh, the truth is that rights are for everybody and rights should be respected despite uh, where uh, you are from, the north or the south. Uh, the, the only problem that exists is probably because you find sometimes in African or, or less developed uh, countries, states might um, accent to recommendations or to pressure from more developed countries to respect rights only in paper because of certain benefits that they want to gain. But when it comes to the actual practice of, uh, uh, you know, ensuring that those right, rights are, are, are respected, then you don't really see that follow up. 
so so that is the main problem but rights are for everybody whether you're poor or rich whether you come from a western country or uh, or, or or you come from the global south and whether they originate from the north or the south as well rights are there to be respected um so so yeah that's that's my view and also uh, i believe the view of many who push for human rights well in africa as you very well know i mean there's great drive against LGBT. Uh, in Ghana, they have shut them down, and Uganda next door, I mean, President Mazovini is railing against them. All of Africa, there's opposition to this sort of uh, lifestyle. I mean, how, how are you coping with that yeah. as uh, Protection International? I mean, I'm sure we must have had a lot of uh, work to do. Yes, it's days. true. This is This is a very contentious issue in many African countries. Uh, in some countries, it's not very widely spoken, but it doesn't mean that uh, uh, individuals of LGBTQI communities are uh, um, largely accepted, not just by the state, but also by the communities. Uh, but we do continue to support them. We work with them directly to be able to raise awareness about their uh, security situation and also to provide psychosocial support and also in situations where they have received direct threats, we have uh, provided them with emergency support. Sometimes uh, we are forced to take them out of their current physical environment and take them to safer spaces. Uh, but this doesn't mean that the threat um, has diminished or, or, or that they are uh, exposed to less threat. So uh, there is also a need to work uh, with communities um, just to, you know, sensitize them about um, uh, these individuals and these groups in their communities, uh, just to remind them that they are as human as they are. Um, so yes, there is a lot of work and PI does not work alone. We work with partners. There are organizations working directly, uh, with, uh, the LGBTQI community. So we partner with them. We partner with donor organizations and other international organizations to try and create an environment that enables them, uh, the members of the LGBTQI communities to also thrive as any other human. But as you stated, it's not easy, but it's ongoing work that we continue to advance by and by. Yes, yeah, so you, you, you'll need a lot of communication, not just to do with LGBTQ or whatever, but all the issues. I mean, uh, how effective has been your communication trying to uh, even propagate the work of uh, Protection International in Africa? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we do try to uh, look at the situation and uh, we decide what, um, when it comes to the question of communication, uh, we, we, we make um, an informed decision on uh, how to go about this. Uh, so when it comes to advocacy, for example, uh, we, we have different approaches to how uh, we, we carry out advocacy. Sometimes it might be through quiet advocacy by, inf uh, by, by, by working with influential stakeholders uh, so that we have um, an enabling environment for not just LGBTQI uh, persons, but also um, other members uh, of the community HRDs. Uh, I will give an example. Uh, recently, uh, actually just last week, we were able to secure the release of uh, Jaman Rukuki, who is a HRD that was based in Burundi and was uh, imprisoned four years ago 
uh, I think he, he was given a term of 30 years imprisonment on trumped up charges uh, by the former president of Burundi. Uh, and it was all based on his work as a human rights defender. President Nkurunziza. Yes, absolutely. He's been in prison for four years, and during these four years, PI, together with other partners, have been very actively advocating uh, silently with influential stakeholders to secure his release. And uh, for us, it was a momentous uh, event to see him walk out of prison uh, and be taken to a safe space, uh, and um, uh, that he's free now for us was quite an achievement. So uh, we, we do continue working with HRDs, uh, communicating as necessary in some events. Uh, we do we do it, um, you know, publicly. Or we, we we use our social media. Uh, we write uh, letters uh, where it's necessary. Uh, we do op eds. So it depends on the on the situation really. Uh, but we try to be careful because even by um, advocating for human rights de defenders, we ourselves can expose ourselves to yeah. uh, risks. So we try to weigh the situation and we identify when uh, we need uh, to, to, to engage in quiet advocacy or when we need to be loud or, or when we also need to spread the risk and work with other partners in terms of uh, the communication we undertake or advocacy initiatives that we are engaged in. You are listening to Talking Africa on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. Uh, welcome back. My guest today is Susan Muruyungi, the Africa Regional Director for Protection International based in Nairobi. Susan is an alumna of the African Leadership Center at King's College London, where she was awarded an M in Conflict, Security and Development in 2012. Yes, uh, PI says that the decision to create regional hubs is to bring decision-making closer to human rights defenders while ensuring there will be more timely intervention where threats exist. But Africa is such a huge uh, continent. How do you operate in this environment? PI Africa has the mandate to work across uh, the region. Uh, however, uh, we are a very young organization still, and um, our operations are very lean. We try to do the much we can with a very lean uh, staff. Uh, but uh, we, we have established offices in, in DRC, we have uh, in Kenya, uh, we have representation, a representative in Tanzania where we are um, actually thinking of opening up an office soon. Um, but we also have some uh, shorter term interventions in other countries in Africa. Uh, we have worked largely in, in West Africa through the West African Human Rights Defenders Coalition. Uh, uh, we, we are also working currently in Cameroon and Gabon. And there are other countries here and there that we have worked in over the past five years or so. Uh, yes. so, but the intention really is to build partnerships in, in, in different countries so that we can work with the partners uh, for the benefit of the HRDs in those different countries. Yes. At the moment, do you have the, uh, the financial and human resources to carry out your, uh, your work, your, your, your mandate? 
Uh, well, uh, we, we continue to search for resources to be able to respond to all the needs that we receive. But yes, at the moment, we do have some support from some donor partners that we are working with. Uh, it may not sufficiently cover for all the needs that we recognize uh, or all the HRDs that approach us for support. But we've been able to support uh, quite a bit of human rights defenders. Last year, we worked a lot with Tanzania human rights defenders um, mm. affected by the political situation and also hard rule by the late President Magufuli. Uh, this year, we are also supporting a lot of HRDs in Uganda uh, following difficult conditions after the election that took place last year um but we 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 are reaching out to more uh, partner organizations whether it's in terms of um, supporting us with funds or also working together for the benefit of hrds uh, we need uh, to be able to establish networks for referrals of HRDs because it's not just PI that does this kind of work. There are also other organizations. We may not be able to support HRDs in all circumstances, but if mm -hmm. we, are in a we are in networks with other organizations that are doing similar work and we are approached by HRDs, then we know where to refer them as well. Uh, also, we are looking for partnerships in terms of research uh, for for HRD situations in both the countries where we have established presences, offices and presences, but also in countries where we have not, because research is the bedrock of our work. And uh, we would be able to, we would like to carry out as much uh, research as we can uh, to be able to have uh, well-informed interventions, be it in terms of our security uh, management uh, capacity building, or also in terms of uh, our capacity building uh, or even in terms of uh, engaging the various stakeholders uh, in dialogue forums uh, to be able to look at, um, you know, um, the, the interventions and their effectiveness. Uh, so so uh, we, we have uh, work ongoing from the support of various uh, donor partners and implementing partners, but we are reaching out to even more of this um, to be able to broaden the work that we are currently doing. That's interesting. So what you're actually saying is that uh, uh, PI Africa is more or less a reference point for all human rights organiz defenders organizations in Africa. They can come to you for assistance and for uh, uh, support. Yes, uh, uh, yes. as I said, we are not the only ones who do this kind of work. There are other organizations, but yes, yes. by all means, uh, we have the mandate to work across uh, the region. Of course, it, it might also depend on what kind of funding we have. For example, at the moment, we have funding to support HRDs across East Africa, in DRC, yes. in Cameroon and Gabon, um, but... Um, uh, I mean, we've also have been able during other different occasions to work in other parts of the continent, including uh, in Southern Africa um, and Central Africa and West Africa. Uh, but then, of course, it's the resources that we have that will enable us to work further than where we are currently working. Yes. So with yes. the right resources, we are able to work beyond just uh, Eastern Africa and, and the few other countries where we are currently working. Yes. Yeah, that's five. Uganda, over the last year, has been in turmoil because of elections and with uh, Bobby Wine uh, making a strong challenge to the president, uh, Museveni. 
But the point is, it seems that the security forces had the upper end. How, how was the work there in Uganda in trying to resolve the clear uh, violations of human rights? Yeah, I mean, our, our work in Uganda is still ongoing because uh, uh, HRDs are still continuing to be threatened uh, based on um, the influence that Bobby Wine has uh, gained in Uganda. Uh, the interest here being to completely shut him down and anybody that uh, might be tending to support him. So we are currently actually supporting a lot of human rights defenders from Uganda, some of who have had to flee, um, some of them temporarily. And when they, they are felt that they, 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 the environment is safer, they have uh, gone back to Uganda. But in some instances, we've had HRDs who, who, who do not feel comfortable to, to go back. And in other situations, we have HRDs who feel that they don't need to, to relocate from the country. And uh, HRDs continue to be threatened because of uh, opposition to the current president. Um, uh, but this is what we do. And, and, and um, it doesn't have um, you know, it doesn't have timelines in terms of an expiry date. So yeah. for as long as the situation is alive, we continue to work uh, to improve the situation. Uh, but have you reached out to official uh, institutions in Africa to further the work of the uh, human rights defenders? I, I'm thinking particularly of the uh, the African Court on Human and People's Rights. I mean, yeah. I think it's in Tanzania. Have you reached yeah. out to them to find out whether you yeah. can take cases for them. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, as as I mentioned, um, we are growing our work uh, beyond just um, supporting HRDs directly to be able to manage their uh, security and doing mm-hmm. more in terms of advocacy, uh, research and policy. So this is an area of work that we are looking into. Uh, we have already engaged a little bit with the uh, ACHPR, African Commission on Human and People's Rights, uh, we are aware of, uh, of the courts in Tanzania and are looking at ways to engage them. We don't like to work individually, but we would like to work within partners, uh, quite a number of partners we are working with. Uh, we haven't yet engaged the court, but there have been discussions uh, on various issues, what's being done by other. Uh, we will definitely uh, not shy away from engaging with um, uh, state or intrastate uh, institutions. So yes, uh, this is uh, within the uh, the plans of our work in future. Okay. We are also, um, you know, trying to strengthen ourselves as a young institution by having the right capacities or by building our capacities to be able to engage effectively. So how do you see the work of African human rights defenders post? COVID-19, and what have been the human rights lessons learned during the pandemic? Protection International currently works uh, using the slogan, hashtag stay with defenders. And uh, this, this hashtag was developed in recognition that within the COVID pandemic, uh, it seems that uh, the global community has forgotten uh, the existence and the work of human rights defenders. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about human rights defenders, including those at the very grassroots level. 
who may not be able to engage through spaces like this, uh, uh, Zoom calls, uh, but have, have to engage at the very community level. And beyond that, also, uh, the COVID pandemic has affected not just uh, their security in terms of the threats they are faced with or, 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 or threats to bodily harm or that they are exposed to, but also in terms of their uh, economic and social welfare. So um, uh, there are a lot of HRDs that volunteer uh, to defend uh, human rights uh, and their livelihoods have been cut off uh, by situations created by the COVID pandemic. Um, their social reach has also been disrupted because mm. when we talk about uh, lockdowns and curfews, uh, sometimes HRDs have to meet outside of their work hours. They have regular jobs going on during uh, the day, perhaps, and during extra hours, they need to connect with other HRDs to be able to discuss issues of relevance to them. Uh, but this has been li limited by curfews. Uh, traveling has been made difficult, sometimes within the countries or even out beyond their countries by lockdowns. Uh, so, so these are uh, issues that have affected uh, the work of HRDs. It's a group or a community of people that are very re resilient and are by nature fighters. So we, we are seeing a lot of efforts to be innovative and to continue uh, carrying out the work, a lot of um, re pooling of resources to be able to support each other out of difficult situations. Uh, but uh, I would actually take this as an appeal uh, to the community of donors and uh, and other partners uh, working with HRDs to actually think uh, deeper and differently in terms of how we have engaged HRDs and to look beyond just uh, supporting immediate needs and, and to be able to support them in terms of their general livelihoods. Here in Kenya, we have been discussing a lot about um, uh, the mental state of human rights defenders uh, mm. uh, beyond just their economic state. Uh, we have experienced human rights defenders uh, in mental turmoil, um, and especially during this COVID period, we are trying to see how we can support them. But we believe that this is happening also in other countries in Africa and also globally. So yes. um, there are adverse effects to the work of human rights defenders brought about by COVID. And um, in our spaces, we are trying to see how we can help HRDs beyond what we have traditionally uh, done. But of course, uh, we need more players to adapt the same kind of approach and think about also future pandemics that could come up. Um, how do we adapt our work to be able to support them beyond the programmatic uh, planning uh, that we have with human rights defenders and to be able to, you know, be flexible enough to accommodate the special needs that uh, emerge during such pandemics? Yes, that's what I wanted to find out. I mean, how do you actually support individuals, human rights defenders? I mean, do you support them... Uh, Financially and medically, those who have uh, mental problems, how, how do you carry out this yeah. support? Yeah, as I said earlier, before supporting HRDs, there is a needs assessment that we have mm. to undertake. So there isn't a blanket treatment for all HRDs. We have to look at the individual cases and to identify the needs. 
uh, and then recommend uh, support that we can give. Also considering uh, the restrictions uh, given, because uh, even when we, we receive uh, funds for emergency support to HRDs from our donor partners, uh, some of the funds come with certain limitations. Uh, for example, there might be limitations in terms of the geographical scope or the geographical coverage. Sometimes there are limitations in terms of what kind of HRDs to support. Uh, sometimes there are limitations in terms of how much funding uh, can be extended to each HRD. So we have to consider all of that as we think about what kind of support to give. Uh, but then um, in terms of what we have actually been able to do for um, situations where we've needed to do uh, psychosocial support, it includes paying for services, psychosocial services for HRDs. Mm -hmm. So ranging from professional services to covering medical bills. Um, as I said, sometimes we've had to do relocation. So um, yeah. uh, it, 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 it can include covering all logistics around uh, relocation. So that is moving them from one country to another uh, or one physical location to another and settling them in a new situation or uh, setting them up to settle down in their new environment um, yeah. by, by, you know, ensuring that their upkeep is taken care of for a period of time. Sometimes it is also legal support that might be needed. So we also mm. uh, come in uh, in that way, but other times it might also just be in terms of uh, providing uh, reference with other organizations that might be able better to better take care of their needs in case we are not we do not have the capacity to do it. Yes. And generally yeah. speaking, uh, do you envisage any obstacles that could hinder uh, Peer Africa's work in, in the future? Yes, of course, a lot, because um, as I said, we try to weigh our interventions, particularly when we are engaging in advocacy. And this is yes. because we also recognize that uh, even we as an organization are faced uh, by the same threats that the HRDs that we work with are faced with. Uh, but uh, being an organization that specializes in, in safety and protection, we uh, work within certain protocols to try and minimize the level of threat against us so we are confident that we we are able to continue working uh, under these protocols uh, there have been situations where we have had to close operations for example when uh, uh, the, the, the HRD I mentioned earlier was arrested we had to shut down operations that we had in Burundi because the threats okay. extended very closely to us uh, yes. so we, we also have to look at the situation and be, be able to determine when it is safe and when it is not safe to see how we can modify our interventions so that we are able to operate safely. If I can give an example, last year it was very risky to work in Tanzania by most organizations that are not based in Tanzania and to even think about opening an office. But we were able to operate uh, in Tanzania uh, all of last year, of course, by making sure we take uh, effective measures to be able to work there. Um, in a way, we 
we were able to work in a way that many organizations were not able to physically do in Tanzania. So, I mean, I cannot reveal um, all the steps that we take to just to ensure that uh, we are safe, but uh, being that we are the organization helping HRDs to build, to build their own security, then we have also been very keen to build our own security and also to um, employ judgment to be able to weigh when uh, to intervene and and when maybe to seek other parties to help in terms of intervention. Susan Muluyungi, Africa Regional Director for Protection International based in Nairobi. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Talking Africa and ALC Pan-African Radio. For these and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at African Leadership Center. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com.